you know, we're all learning here. The recruiters were probably just as stressed as we were just because it was so many people, um, you know, just for some perspective. National Black is a lot larger than Prospanica. So they were dealing with a lot of schools and a lot of employers. And to really mirror what he said, really anytime, but now more than ever, it, it really is going to be how you network and how effectively you network before you get there. And this is kind of where the CNC comes into play. You know, I've been lucky enough where I was a recruiter for five years before coming. So I've been able to kind of plug into a little bit of my own network. Um, but the CMC is incredibly helpful as well with just connecting you with people that have, you know, worked at a target company of yours, helping you get some more informational insight, helping you learn. So when you do kind of get that shot with the recruiter, you're prepared. Hello and welcome back to Dogs on Top, our podcast about the Georgia MBA, where we share our stories about our students, faculty, and staff, and what it's like to be a part of the program, the Terry College of Business, and the University of Georgia. I'm Deirdre Kane, your host and director of admissions for the full-time MBA. This podcast started at the beginning of the pandemic as an effort to bring the program and Athens to incoming students and prospective applicants. Now in season three, we have been back in school since August 20th. In this episode, I talked with Emily Nicholas from Career Management and two of our current students, Ashley Aziz and Alex Meyer, about how COVID has changed networking and recruiting and how the program and our students have adapted. Just as our students have had to adapt, these changes have also impacted companies and recruiters. So we are all learning as we go, and we are all in this together. Uh, my name is Emily Nicholas. I get to be the Associate Director of Corporate Relations for the full-time MBA program. Basically, that means that I work to build relationships with employers and companies who have an appetite for MBA talent, understand their needs, and help connect them with our students. Okay, Alex. Thank you. So, hey guys, my name is Alex Meyer. I'm a second year right now in the full-time program, concentrating in marketing and business analytics. Uh, my background is in marketing and sales, so I actually graduated from UGA for undergrad in 2015 and worked for a few years in Atlanta doing marketing and sales there, so it's been a great experience here, so I'm happy to be on. Ashley? Hi, everyone. My name's Ashley. I'm a first-year student here at UGA's MBA program. I'm concentrating in entrepreneurship, strategy, and business analytics. Before coming to the MBA program, I was a technical recruiter for five years. I also went to UGA undergrad, um, so very big fan of UGA and excited to be chatting with you guys. Okay, so what I just realized, so I'm going to interrupt the flow. On this call, three of us are double dogs, unless Emily is also a double dog. I'm a double dog, soon to be triple dog. Well, we are, we're heavy on it right now, so <laughs> I earned my doctorate from the university well, that doesn't make me a double dog. I'm the one who's lying. I'm not a double dog. Um, I only have one degree from the university, but you're, we really have some experts on here who have know Athens very well and know the university very well. Um, so a great group of people to answer questions tonight. Um, and I invited them because there are many things that I think about MBA programs that are a big black box. Um, admissions is one of them. Recruiting is another. Um, and when you come into a program, you sort of have to figure all this out and and you know, after a while with myself, having done this for many years, I, I know what's going on, but I have to remind myself that other people do not. So today we want to talk about, sort of get a general understanding of what, what we mean by recruiting, sort of what it is in the abstract sense, 
Uh, and then what it's like right now, um, what we're what our students are dealing with, what our staff are dealing with, and, and how that how we're all adapting and, and how it's all working out. So to start off, I was gonna ask Emily to break it down for us. For MBA students, fall recruiting um, actually means four semesters of activity. So if you could sort of provide some context for what we mean by fall recruiting and what we mean by recruiting, because it's very different from other master's programs. Sure. Yes. When when we were thinking, when I was thinking about this question, Amelia, I thought it's the busiest time of the year. That was the first thought I had. Um, yeah. So in in MBA world, um, recruiting um, is obviously something. Um, that you as a student engage in throughout the life cycle of your MBA program. And then we're also working to equip you to do that for the rest of your time. But fall recruiting specifically is really just the time when um, companies that have an appetite for MBA talent are really making a concentrated effort to seek out to MBA candidates and interview them, get to know them, and um, put them in a position to either... um, take on an internship for the following summer or a full-time job if you're a second year. So the MBA recruiting cycle is really heavily concentrated in the fall, um, mostly because of a few major diversity career fairs um, that we participate in as a school, as well as many other top MBA programs. Um, So within those four national diversity recruiting fairs, a lot of Fortune 500 companies are exclusively doing networking for, uh, or recruiting, excuse me, for MBA talent at those diversity fairs. And those happen in between September and October. So that is really crunch time, especially for first years and then certainly also for second years um, as they're seeking internships and full-time jobs. Um, The last thing I'll say about fall recruiting um, outside of those big national diversity fairs is it's also a time when we're traditionally bringing companies on campus and now in this virtual environment, having virtual engagements with our business partners um, so that our students can get to know those companies, understand the MBA-specific internship and full-time opportunities for them, and then having um, some sort of one-on-one engagements with them so that the companies can get to know our students and the students can get to know the companies. Um, And a lot of times in the fall is when decisions are made about where you'll spend the next summer or where you'll spend and the, the next years of your career. All right, before we go on, I actually thought of a question for Alex and for Ashley. So when you both came into the MBA program and you're both at different points in that MBA program, what was your expectation of what recruiting was going to be like versus your experience of recruiting? Because um, often they don't always match up. <laughs> so my expectation was basically that it was going to be pretty similar to undergrad which was, you know, you have some career fairs, there's a few in the fall, but they're not really the big important ones. And then in the spring is where you're really trying to nail down an internship or job. Um, So needless to say, I was pretty surprised when I got here and pretty much as soon as you hit the door, (laughs) they're really pushing you to to start, you know, looking at internships when you're first year and then into your second year, you're kind of adjusted to it. So it's not as big of a deal, but um, it really is a, a full-time thing. I mean, you, it might as well just be another class. It's just looking for jobs. So, um, yeah, it, it very much was a far shot from what I was expecting. <laughs> and you, Ashley, what's it been yeah. like so far? So I definitely was agree with Alex's sentiment. I did not expect it to start so quickly. Um, I was actually doing CMC work before I even started school. 
Um, so that it was definitely very eye-opening. Um, there's a lot that's kind of thrown at you the first semester. So very much does feel like another class. Um, it's just really a, a test to just time management and, you know, constantly reminding yourself that we're here to hopefully boost our careers and, and get a position. So really focusing on the importance that is recruiting as soon as you can. Okay. So um, one thing I want to point two things I should point out to people on, on the call that are listening. So we literally only have this one slide. So that's all you have to look at besides us and listening to us. Um, but this is plenty to talk about. The second thing is that we will, of course, take questions. So we have the chat for that. So if you want to sort of bring up your chat and ask questions, um, my colleague is, is looking at that as we go along. And then we'll we'll come back to the chat and make sure we answer questions. Also happy to take questions as, as we go along. Um, certainly happy to make this interactive. Um, we want to make sure that people sort of get to weigh in and get their, you know, get, get, learn what they need to know while they're here. Um, but for the next question, uh, it's going to come back to Emily and just, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, you're talking about how these things are in person and now they're not. So how has career management adapted and had to adapt in order to make these things happen? Sure. So the obvious point is that all of the in-person networking, in-person info sessions, on-campus interviewing, all of, you know, even that phrase doesn't make sense anymore. So all of those uh, events, engagements are obviously virtual. We and our, you know, many of our partners, um, in fact, I, I have not talked to a company who has employees that are, are in their offices right now. So higher education is a little bit of an outlier in that students are on campus. Um, that's just not true of our business partners. And so uh, the first thing that we've done is just really understand um, their expectations for recruiting and any changes that are happening in their landscape. Um, how have their interview processes changed? How have their network, how's their networking changed? How has their headcount changed? Um, a lot of companies have a set number of, we'll say, MBA interns that they take every year. And so what we've done is had conversations to understand, okay, is that number increasing, actually, in some cases, decreasing in others, and then in some, in some cases, just completely going away. So understanding how our partnership can move forward has kind of been a constant, um, something that we're paying attention to. And while that seems negative, there actually have been some positive things about being able to have networking and information sessions virtually. You know, traditionally we have um, a couple events, Atlanta-based events or Athens-based events. And obviously uh, when those are in person, we're tied to employers that are in the general metro Atlanta area. But an event we had a little over a month ago was a virtual networking event. And we were able to pull alumni and partners from Charlotte and from DC and from California. And so in that way, we're able to actually have a, a broader reach and give students broader access to companies where they might like to work in the future. The last thing that we've had to change um, on the career coaching side um, is just how our career coaches actually engage with students. We pride ourselves on being a really high touch career management center. And in the past, that's meant a lot of students stopping by to check in, stopping by to give us updates, stopping in to do mock interviews. And we've kind of been handicapped in that way. The stopping in doesn't happen as often. We're just not as able to. And so uh, really restructuring how we engage with students 
students, still encouraging one-to-one connections, still, of course, doing mock interviews and working on resumes, but really doing that in a virtual setting. And in that way, preparing students to um, have executive presence, to bring their best selves when it's you know game time in an interview later on. So on a really tactical level, I, I, think, I think you're talking about fall networking night. So fall networking mm-hmm. night to paint a picture for people. Has typically been in a lovely restaurant in Atlanta, which has good food, mm-hmm. and they're always very good to us, Maggiano's. Yeah. Um, and this year, it was there was no food, and it was over Zoom. Correct? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you know, how did you, as staff, and and we then you know Ashley and Alex, if you were at that, you can talk about your experience. But you had to replicate an experience virtually, and I know you were a big part of that. So how how'd you do? How'd you pull that off? Yeah. Well, for, for me, when, you know, when we as a team start thinking about, you know, why we do a a networking night like that, the intention is for our students to build an initial connection with a strong company partner or alumni. And so when we can, when we really kind of boil it down to the why of the event, we began to realize that that sort of connection is able to be made in another format. It takes a lot more juggling and some different logistics, but it's very possible. Uh, We created what I refer to lovingly as a Zoom circus, a rotating event. And at the end of the day, um, logistics aside, companies were able to meet with our students and students could learn about um, our company partners and about opportunities for them. So in that way, it was a success. As we move forward and as uh, we think about how much longer um, this way of being will be normal. Uh, we're looking at other platforms. Obviously, Zoom is an excellent platform, but how can we use other technology um, to really kind of level up the experience of both our students um, and our employers? And so that's where we're looking at moving forward. But yeah, it was, I'll say, fun in hindsight to create that experience um, and, and really at the end of the day be able to accomplish the same thing just um, in a unique way. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, uh, we're doing all of our recruiting events, vir- as you might imagine, right now, we're doing all of our vir- our recruiting events virtually. Um, and that's been an adjustment and in some ways more work, but in other ways has created other opportunities. Now, um, and, and we can also sort of, this question is for both this and National Black was in Prispanica with the two large career fairs that just happened. And so those were, uh, were they both on the same platforms? They were not on the same platform. Right. So we're learning new platforms. We're adjusting to different uh-huh. things. Okay. So I've used the platform you use for National Black, which was Intrada. So very, very different than being in person. Um, but for Ashley and Alex, if either of you, you know, for the ones that you attended. So how has this experience sort of got sort of accomplished its goals for you? I mean, what was it like? Um, well, I mean, it's been different in pretty much every sense. So just to give people a little bit of background on what it usually looks like. Um, so we'll take National Black, for example. Usually what you do is, you know, you'll do some applications prior to the event. You'll probably get a few interviews from that. But the main thing is the career fair where basically you go, you stand in lines at booths <laughs> of recruiters of companies that you want to talk to and potentially get an interview with. And so you basically go up, you give them a pitch. They might ask if you have time available for an interview later that day or the next day. And then, you know, that's pretty much a repeated cycle throughout that day. So you actually, you know, they're in person, uh, you know, standing there, everyone's in their suits and ties and all that stuff. Um, So, you know, obviously this year that didn't happen. 
And then also a lot of the companies had like networking events in the evenings uh, during National Black. So uh, those have all been kind of negated as well. So that was kind of tough to, you know, be something that you have to deal with because usually, you know, you can go and you can actually talk to people in a more personable way at those networking events than when you're just giving a a hard pitch uh, to people over and over during the career fair. So it's very different in the sense that none of that happened. So for National Black, it was all it was all through an online platform. They started to get a hang of it a little bit more on the, the tail end of things. But uh, to start off, it was just, it was kind of craziness because, you know, they created this virtual environment basically where you could go into the booth still and provide your pitch. Um, but what people were doing was just going in, copying and pasting their pitch into all these booths. And it was just a, a, a wave of constant pitches. So, <laughs> um it's pretty hard to stand out. So um, I think the big thing for me for National Black was actually the networking that I did prior to the event. Obviously, that's a big thing when you're going in person as well. But it ended up being massively helpful because I was able to find the people that I had spoken to prior to the event, actually go in, see if they were online or not, and then send them a direct message or email, seeing if they have time available to chat. And then a big thing that was helpful as well, instead of just doing the text chatting, which is what most of it was, people were very open to hopping on a Zoom call or a WebEx or whatever. And I think, you know, on their end, it was very difficult for the recruiters. So I think it was just kind of a situation where, you know, being understanding of what they're dealing with as well, it was tough for them too. So I think that kind of provided an opportunity to kind of, you know, get on their level and and speak to the things that they're dealing with a little bit better. So I think that opened up some some opportunities there. But on the whole, it, it definitely was, it was difficult to try to communicate with people through a platform like that. And it sounds like the one benefit is we're all in this together. We're on one side of the table having one experience and the recruiters are having another. They're all, we're all figuring out as we go along. Yes. Um, but actually, I think you were going to say something. What were you going to add? Yeah, so very similar kind of experience to Alex. Again, you know, we're all learning here. It, it The recruiters were probably just as stressed as we were just because it was so many people, um, you know, just for some perspective. National Black is a lot larger than Prispanica. So they were dealing with a lot of schools and a lot of employers. And, you know, to really mirror what he said, you know, it's really anytime, but now more than ever, it, it really is going to be how you network and how effectively you network before you get there. And this is kind of where the CNC comes into play. You know, I've been lucky enough where I was a recruiter for five years before coming. So I've been able to kind of plug into a little bit of my own network. Um, but the CMC is incredibly helpful as well with just connecting you with people that have, you know, worked at a target company of yours, helping you get some more informational insight helping you learn. So when you do kind of get that shot with the recruiter, you're prepared and and you sound like you have done a lot of research. And that's something that's going to really, you know, work to your favor with them as well. Because like Alex said, there's a lot of people that were just kind of copying and pasting and weren't necessarily being as strategic about it. Um, So I would say, you know, if we are still in this scenario um, next year, you know, just be very strategic about how you go about career fairs. It's not going to be as easy as it used to be where you can kind of just, you know, walk into any booth. And if you make a connection, like, then that could be something right there. It, it You really do need to have a little bit more strategy going into it, 
really know who you want to target, why you want to target them, and then being able to utilize your resources to target them in ways outside of, you know, the career fair as well, if that's possible, just because, you know, it is, it is overwhelming for the recruiters, I'm sure. Well, it sounds like, um, and maybe I'm just playing to our strengths, but, and Emily can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at least what we try to always emphasize in the program is that it is that relationship building piece, which is critical to success anyhow. And so if we're actually having to rely on that um, much more consciously, a lot of what I think career management does is a lot of that sort of one-to-one stuff outside of the the big fairs. So is that playing to our sort of strengths, Emily, do you think? Oh, I think so. I mean, I, I, in National Black last year, both Patty, our director, and I work the conference floor just in the same way as the students do. I will say, I think that's a differentiator. If you look, um, there's kind of an area where they put all of the universities at the in-person event, and there's a lot of people sitting down. Um, but I'm I'm up, and Patty's up, and we're cutting lines of students to understand what's going on with the company. And when it came to the virtual platform, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to cup someone in line virtually. That was my go-to move last year. Um, and so we did just as we encouraged students to do, we did a lot of prep work. I reached out to the contacts that we have from the past and said, how are you thinking about this event? How are you prioritizing? How are you moving through? Are you um, going to offer interviews uh, for to people who you meet on the floor or will you not? Um, are you going to have 25 recruiters there? to talk to students or will you only have five? Um, And so really doing some prep work and then trying to share that with students um, as quickly as possible. And so they can be more strategic. So they're not waiting in a virtual line for a company that's that's not going to be a good fit for them. So um, yeah, I certainly think the way that we approach um, kind of an all hands on way of being about these fairs certainly yeah, it helps us to remain successful um, in this environment. And I definitely think that was super helpful. Like Emily was literally sending us all updates all day long of, you know, this person is not hiring international students or this person, you know, just kind of being able to help guide us and and be a little bit more strategic. And it, it really was, it was super helpful because, you know, when you have 50 plus companies, it's hard to know which ones to choose. So we were all very appreciative of your work. <laughs> Can I, I actually have one specific mm-hmm. example of, of that sort of thing that was really helpful for me, at least I think it was, is um, so during the conference, I know Emily and Patty were both going into the booths, you know, virtually, but they're going into the booths and actually just putting in little chats where everyone was bombarding the employers with, <laughs> with their pitches. I know Emily and Patty were going around and just saying like, hi, my name's Emily from UGA Career Management Services. I just wanted to pop in to say hi and say thanks for coming to the event and stuff. And I know that they both did that for a company that I was in the booth for, um, you know, right before I joined and I went in, I just, you know, gave my little pitch or whatever. And, you know, right after they had said that, and then I got an invite to a private chat, like immediately. So (laughs) I don't know if that made a difference, but it kind of seemed like it did because, the recruiters actually responded to their messages. So they were clearly paying attention to the chat at that point. So uh, I think that was something that actually benefited me. (laughs) 
I mean, it's just, I think we, it's so easy to forget that the person on the other side is literally a person and they're trying to navigate through a sea of people who are very similar. And so at the end of the day, if there's, if myself or Patty or anybody is one degree of, um, like, oh, I know somebody from UGA, it makes them more familiar. Um, even that sort of connection in a sea of chaos, I think can be really valuable. So I'm so glad to hear it was helpful. Well, now that we, you, I don't have to survive national black, the rest of you do. Um, so we survived national black, which is this huge, like up the mountain, down the mountain, Super Bowl's over. What now, Emily, what, what are we doing now? What actually, yeah. it doesn't stop, right? So it doesn't stop. And so people think, you know, that's not the end goal, actually. National black's just the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think both Ashley and Alex have pointed out that the prep work for National Black is key in order to maximizing the event. And I would say second in importance is the follow-up that you do after the event. Um, so whether that's preparing for interviews that you've scored through National Black, whether that's following up with connections that you've made, whether that's connecting with an alumni at that company to learn a little bit more about their process, whether that's talking to the CMC to figure out what we know about their interview process or their timeline, those are all really key steps. And what, um, what I think is always important to remember is, yes, the fall is a really big ramp up and, and there's a lot of activity at that time. And the spring is still a time where people get job offers and, and have interviews. And a lot of those connections uh, began in the fall. And so being mindful to really, I mean, tangibly keep up with the human beings and the companies that you are interested in and having with some sort of regularity um, uh, time to reach out to them, touch base with them, update them on how things are going. Those are all things that end up to be really meaningful, especially if we think about networking as building long-term relationships. Um, it must, it has to go beyond the fall and it has to go even beyond the spring. And then that way it's easier to think about networking as a two-way connection. You know, not only do you need something or want something from that person, but also what can you offer them maybe in the longer term? Ashley, Alex, you got anything to add to that or should we move on? Uh, just to kind of reiterate, I definitely think that, you know, keeping consistent contact with the people that you network with has become even more important now. Um, in the past, you could, you know, do a touch base every six months or something and, you know, still keep, be on top of things more or less. But I think now, you know, it's like, you want to kind of do it every month just because people kind of need to have some, some contacts some people to talk to a little bit more <laughs> than what is normally the case. So I think that's something that, you know, again, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of set yourself apart. And I, I think that's a good way to do it. It's also, I mean, it, we're very much in a time of change right now. And, you know, like Alex is saying, it sounds like it's 30 days, but I think we all know from this year, you know, 30 days can be a big difference. You know, someone that's on a hiring freeze now could be hiring 45 interns in a month. So it's always good to like make sure that you're hitting those touch points. You know, relationship building is a lot. It's a huge part of finding a job. It's also a huge part of just success in a career in general. So I think it's really good practice. You know, what we're doing here for any type of role that we'll be taking, especially if it's a leadership position, once you are out of the MBA, um, because, you know, relationship building is at the key of almost everything that you're going to do. Well, before we sort of start to start hitting questions, I do want to look at those last two points and talk about strategies. So 
Career management has done um, sort of their pivoting um, and has made adjustments adjustments to benefit our students. But uh, I'd like to hear from both of you about some of those sort of what strategies that you have had uh, for success at networking and recruiting this year. Pro tips, you might say, um, that you want to share, things you've learned, um, things you've adapted. Yeah, so definitely just trying to utilize my network as much as possible. I did live in Atlanta before. Um, I would love to go back to Atlanta. I know that, you know, and just for everyone on the call, a lot of times MBA recruiting is all over the U.S. Um, Not always is it, you know, super focused in one area. Um, So I've really been trying to, you know, pull all my resources, utilize any type of the staffing connections that I had when I was in the industry to just get introductions. You know, it's always good to try and be introduced, you know, to the right recruiter, to the right person, even if it's by numerous people. You know, so I'm, and maybe it's my sales mindset, Alex might feel the same way. I don't think that there's anything of like, you can be too annoying. You know, I, I think it's important if you have multiple ways to, to try and, you know, get in to, to utilize your resources. So be really smart about that. You know, use LinkedIn is a really great tool. So when we first got here, um, I posted on LinkedIn, you know, hey, everyone would love your help. This is kind of what I'm targeting. And it ended up getting 14,000 views. So that's 14,000 people that saw, you know, that I was looking for something. And, you know, you get, you're able to actually utilize that platform a a lot. So I would always suggest putting time in that as well. Um, But really just also using the CMC. You know, if you ever get an interview, the first thing that you should do is email the CMC and then find out, you know, who do we know that works there? And if we don't, like they will pull information for you. So I have a final with the Travelers um, Product Management Development Program. And we haven't had anyone work at Travelers, but Paul immediately, who's in the CMC, um, immediately got back to me with a list of questions that he pulled off glass doors saying, you know, these might be the questions that they'll ask you. So, you know, although we are limited by not having the same amount of face-to-face contact, The awesome thing about UGA is everyone really like wants to help you. Um, We have really awesome alumni too. So that's made it pretty easy to kind of connect with those people. So just make sure you're using the most of the resources that we do have because we don't have as much as we usually do. So you kind of have to double down on what you do have at your disposal. (laughs) Good point. Good point. Alex, what about pro tips for you from you? Uh, she kind of took all my points there. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, the, a big thing is, you know, for me, and when you come into the program, this is one of the things they teach you to do is keeping basically a log of the people you've spoken to, what you've spoken to them about when it was. Um, so, you know, that's really helped me with making sure I, I maintain those constant contacts, you know, with a good bit of regularity. Uh, like Ashley said, you know, if you're even if you you're just in the first uh, steps of applying to a company, you can ask uh, if we know anyone in the company, and they'll bring up a list for you, and you can reach out to those people. Um, the fact that that we're students is really you know that gives us an upper hand in in reaching out because uh, you know you can really leverage that you know hey I'm reaching out I'm a student I'm interested in learning some more about your role or this or that within this company. Um, so people are much more open to, to that kind of outreach than they are to the usual LinkedIn networking type of stuff. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of advantages that we have as students in that way. Uh, 
I, I will say, you know, kind of going back to the the constant contact thing, I, I feel like uh, the hiring practices have come, become a little bit less standardized than they have been in the past. Uh, so generally, I, I felt like everything kind of happened in bunches a little bit. I think some of the companies, just because they're still trying to figure things out as well, they've some of them have spread things out more. Some of them have consolidated things. So, um, you know, some companies that I've had interviews with, you know, they might have had a multi-step interview process where you, you know, interview at a conference and then you might go there for an interview day or have an, uh, a virtual one or all the above. And, and now it's just maybe one virtual interview. So you have to really be on top of things when that happens. Uh, other ones uh, have gone to much more of a needs-based hiring to, uh, whereas they might have had, you know, fall recruiting, being at these conferences and trying to hire people for the spring at the fall conferences. Now they've pushed that back to, to they're not really looking for someone until springtime. So um, there's definitely some differences in those regards. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's definitely a, an environment that we have the opportunity to, to flourish in. Well, and it sounds like adaptability is key and you guys have been doing that. Absolutely. Um, Emily, has your advice changed in terms of how you're prepping students? And I mean, we did a, a webinar on interview tips. Um, was it last week already? Um, okay, that that will be also will be put up as a webinar. I intend that this um, as a podcast. I intend this to go up as a podcast so people will be able to reference that as well. And if anyone, Emily's a star here, by the way. Just let me plug this. Emily's a star on both the MBA and the MSBA podcasts. So oh. if you want to check those out. Um, you can hear a lot more career management advice. But um, in terms of you know this sort of how we how our students are best prepared for recruiting, has your you know sort of if you change some of the advice you give or the way you prepare people? Hmm. Uh, yes and no. I would just say there's kind of more categories of things to consider. Um, so the three things that came to mind are always turning on your camera, always, 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 forever. We never have the luxury in in-person interactions to not be present with our face. And so um, the expectation is that you show your face and um, and that way you can automatically stand out from a crowd. If there's a ton of people on a, on a webinar or a Zoom on an info session and you're the one who either shows your face or B, asks a question, that's an immediate way for you to stand out. You're going to be more memorable than anything than anybody else. Um, and then the, the only other thing that I'll add, I think Alex and Ashley have, have given great advice, is um, just to remember that the quality of the interaction, um, it might feel less tangible, but it still is so important. And so having personality and showing your interest, you kind of have to like dial it up two times, even like, I mean, we can see in the zoom, like I use my hands a lot. It's always very obvious in person that I'm like, I'm here, I'm ready. I'm energized. But over zoom, I try to sit on my hands cause it's distracting and it's harder to convey, um, who I am, you know, in an interview context, why I want this company and why I'm interested. Um, but, but those are, that's what recruiters want to hear. That's what companies want. Companies want people who want to work for them. Um, and so being sure to communicate that throughout the process is, is really key. So those are the only things that I will add. And then of course, everything that we're used to doing resume reviews, mock interviews, all of those things continue to be important and doing so over this type of environment as practice for when you'll do it virtually with a company. 
Okay, one more quick tip, which I agree with Emily. Um, we should always try and be on video. But if your video is not working, I'll show you guys. Put a professional photo with your name. So this was actually a tip the CMC told me. This is just going to work really well because, you know, if something does happen, if you do have to jump off video for a minute, you know, your picture is still there and they're, they're going to know who you are. Um, so that's definitely a tip for if and you're having any video problems or anything like that, you can always utilize that. No, good tip. And I mean, I, you know, have clearly, we've been, I've been adapting to Zoom as well. So this like, look at the camera thing, which I'm trying to do. Can you tell? Trying to look at the camera um, and not the faces is, is really key, I think, to sort of that, that eye contact and making it as personable as possible when you're on a, a video call. Um, and it's not an easy thing to do. It's a, It's been a big adjustment for me. So that's the only pro tip I have today is look at the camera. Um, but I think um, we can take some questions now and certainly happy to do so. So you can either type those into the chat or feel free to unmute yourself and, and say hello and ask questions while we're, we're still here. We'll hang around and, and make sure we get them answered. Um, happy to do that. Let me, show you, let me show you my fabulous last slide so you can all be looking at that while we chat. And I'll just say, you know, like I mentioned the podcast, um, we have a number of episodes up there. There's a podcast called Data Dogs, which is the MSBA podcast, also talks about the program and the university. So it, it, there's some carryover um, and just ways to find out more um, on this slide um, after the fact. Um, Alex and Ashley are student ambassadors for the MBA program, and we have a bunch of other folks who are also ambassadors. Um, they would be happy to um, follow up if you reach out, as would anyone else. So always go, feel free to go to the ambassadors page and do that. Um, and then reaching out to, to admissions is always an option too. But we're still here right now. So please let me know if you have any questions. Hi, I'm Ishani. Just had a quick question. Mm -hmm. I believe Alex um, had mentioned uh, some differences between undergrad like how recruiting is during the undergrad process versus recruiting during the MBA program. Um, and I was just wondering if any other people had insights as to where the key differences are and if there are key differences. Yeah, so I, I would just say it's, it's a timing thing. Um, when you come into MBA, I mean, your first week is like complete overload. Because it's, it's all, you know, you're trying to get adjusted to classes. You're, a lot of us are, you know, doing GA work. And then we immediately, and, and I'm not exaggerating, immediately, you know, start recruiting. So I, it's just, it's definitely a really big mindset shift. Because when you go into undergraduate, you know, first off, you have a lot more time. Just in general, you're there for twice the amount of years. Um, and typically, you're not really doing a lot of, you know, interviewing and stuff until closer to second semester. Um, MBA, especially with like the Fortune 500, they can lock you down pretty quickly. So there are companies, you know, that, I mean, I had interview requests before school started. So there were some companies that started that soon. You know, again, it, it's a little bit of a strange year right now, you know, with the pandemic and it being an election year. I think there's a lot of companies that it, they might be recruiting a little bit later for MBA than they normally are. Um, but what I noticed also in undergrad was just it it's a lot sooner that it hits you. Um, and it's also just a little bit of a different process because it is so soon. You know, there are some people that know exactly what they want to do when they come into the NBA. And there's some people that are really kind of still trying to figure it out. So it, it can be a little overwhelming if you don't know exactly what you want to do because you're kind of thrown immediately into applying for jobs. 
Um, so that's really what I would say is the biggest difference is that it's, it's a really big part of the NBA. It, you know, Alex put it the best way I think you can. It's, it's an extra class. It's not an extra two classes, um, for sure. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be more of a focus than it likely ever was in undergraduate. And I'll add something else that I've heard Paul, one of our career coaches, say. He says, you know, if you're someone who's choosing to get an MBA, you're likely a really high performer, and you're likely not used to getting much rejection. And in the MBA recruiting process, rejection is just a part of it. You just simply will get rejected many more times than you ever have before. And that doesn't mean that you're, you know, not a quality candidate. It's just a numbers game. And so in that in and of itself, there's just more volume of applications and interviews you have to plow through in order to get an offer on the other side. Totally agree with that. Make some steely nerved people to, to survive that process. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, as I said, feel free to follow up an email. I will, since there are no questions, I am going to let people go. Um, but again, Ashley and, and Alex and others can be fine on the MBA ambassadors page. If you send questions about career stuff to admissions, we will either attempt to answer them by making up the answers, or we will talk to someone in career management and get the answers for you. Usually we do the latter, not the former. Um, but we will we'll help get your questions answers if you have them about the program or anything else. Um, but thank you, everybody, for your time. Um, thank you, Alex, Ashley, and Emily um, for your time. And I appreciate it. And I look forward to the days when we can be in person again. Yeah. <laughs> Us too. All right. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you all for listening, and thank you to Emily, Ashley, and Alex for providing their perspectives. COVID has presented all of us with many challenges, but MBA students are designed for resiliency and adaptability. Finding new ways to put a human touch on our virtual lives is just the latest business challenge to overcome. If you want to connect with admissions or learn more about the student experience from current students, sign up for any of our virtual events or reach out to an MBA ambassador directly to talk one-on-one. Links to our events and ambassador pages are in the show notes. Don't forget to check out our website at terry.uga.edu slash MBA slash full time. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out our YouTube playlist. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, and go dogs. <laughs>